We are musicians. Mitch Lance is a singer, songwriter, producer, keyboardist, sax player, and composer based in New York. He just released his latest single, Seed. You can find him anywhere you stream your music. We chatted about how he writes his songs and the future of AI in pop music. I grew up in a town in right above New York City called Tarrytown. I went to Irvington High School. Irving, it was called Irvington. It was very, the very, very little diversity. And I was very in my own world. I felt like the weird kid. I would listen to music no one else cared about. I would, you know, be on my own wave. I then hated it because I like was very, I was bullied as a kid. Like I was the weird kid in band, you know, like I wasn't the, I wasn't the, the jock cool guy, even though I'm, a, I'm an athlete too. Like I love sports and all that. And um, that's part of my life too. But um, I was never that guy. So I left that school. I hated it. My dad was a school teacher in a school, a few towns over that was, it's called Woodlands high school. And it was insanely opposite to what I was used to. So being mostly a white school in Irvington, now I was going to, it was, it was a lot of black people, it was Spanish, it was Asian, it was very diverse, and it was awesome. I was like, why it was Irvington not like this? Like, they didn't understand. And just to touch on this, to show you how terrible it was, the first thing that one of my neighbors said to me when they found that I was moving to this school was, you're going to go to that school with all those black kids? And I was like, yeah, what's wrong? And, like, it, I, that was one of those moments in life where it, like, understood. I was like, whoa, like, that is not cool. And so I got into that environment and then I, my friends that I was starting to make there knew I like made beats and they're like, yo, you made beats. Like, let me rap on them. So I had the studio and like, I would have 10 of my friends come over at a time and they would just all go in the booth and I would just throw on one of these horrible beats that I made and they would, we would just be in here for hours and just go crazy. And I was like, this is fun. I could do this forever. So let's plant a seed. And see if it turns to a flower or a weed Yeah It's not a dream But you can lay with me until you fall asleep Yeah Let's plant a seed Are you a musician who would like to be on this podcast? If you are, drop me an email at mypianopartner at gmail.com. If you're hitting syllables or rhythms in the same place in the same section, the listener is drawn because it's familiar to them. So they will, so especially with pop music where the attention span of a listener, including myself, is anywhere from zero seconds to the end of the song, depending on the song. Um, you have to keep them interested. So if you're, you know, these long intros are dead, you can't really do that anymore. Or you'll lose them. You know, solos are dead. They don't really do that. It's the illusion, even though there are ways to do it. And some people are doing it in cool ways. And I think it needs to happen. And I myself are I'm trying to do that as well. I think it's great. Um, but I think that the, the, whole, the overall theory behind that is just repetition and familiarity is what creates a hit to the masses if it's some you know you look at most pop songs ever and it's usually the simplest lyric the cat the very simple melody i also noticed that a lot of pop songs have melodies that aren't necessarily hard to sing back not as a singer but like an audience is not going to have trouble singing that but an audience isn't going to try to cop a whitney houston run or a, you know some sort of crazy vocal line you know they're not going to hear that but an easy melody your audience will all be able to sing that back to you and they love that. 
I, I actually love this concept, but I am, I don't think about it consciously. I think about it subconsciously because I almost feel like that is the way a pop song should be, but not in like the math way. Like when I hear song math, it irks me because I think music and math couldn't be more opposite. But I think that there also is some sort of harmony between the two. And I know you like math and I know there is definitely a chemistry between them, but music and math are different in that music theory is not fact, but math is always the same. So that's the part where like, and like science too, like science and math are proven formulas, but music is not necessarily proven. It just is. And we've all agreed that a C scale sounds good when it's a C scale and that an F7 sounds good when it's those notes. And that's awesome. We, we all accept that. And we basically live our life with that mentality, but it's, it's called a theory for a reason, I believe. Um, so I think that when I write, I believe that I naturally think that way because I think that's what audiences like. So I, if you listen to my music, I think that there is that like flow of like the structure of the verse leads into the pre-chorus, leads into the chorus, little breakdown back to the verse, and then you climb that hill again. And then there is that like, you know, peaks and valleys of your music, which I think your audience wants. So I think that's, I think it's a great concept. I think the balance is not to overthink it. The way I write is I write by playing. Like I write the way I produce music. So I will play the harmony line so I can hear it or I'll play the horn so I can hear them. I don't like writing on paper. I know the notes will work, but maybe the voice lead will sound better if I like play the B up here instead of down here. So it's like, I want to hear that. I don't want to just write that. And when I was forced to write everything, it a hundred percent hindered my, my thinking just because I wasn't thinking about the best work I could do. I was thinking about how can I get these notes on this paper as best I can. And that was more like, that's, that to me is like an example of when you're given a rule, you are forced to, you're forced to like, part of the road is now taken away from you. try just to write what I feel. And I think that when you do that authentically, the songs that I feel like have connected the most with people have been those that I didn't necessarily try my hardest on or that I didn't take the most time on. I think that sometimes when you're working on something too long, it's not going to lead to the best place. I think when I write, I want to obviously express an emotion I'm feeling like lyrically it might be about a story like we can talk about certain songs I've done and like how they have actually come from real life instances um, but I also think while I'm produce while I'm writing a song I'm also usually in the studio so my first instinct a lot of the time is when I write something is to record it instantly and then work on some sort of track just to get the the, the rhythmic vibe or the you know something going that's more than just you know the couple lyrics that I have but in, in terms of production, I think I would try to cater to more of like a pop market because I do enjoy pop music. But I think from a writing standpoint outside of production, it's just more, what do I feel? How do I want to express that? And I don't think too much about like, I must do this style or I must do this. I don't, because I, like I said, that to me, when, when that stuff is added, it's just roadblocks 
waiting to happen. So you don't think about any of the current songwriters when you're writing? No, I do. I, I shouldn't say I don't because I, I definitely do. If I'm writing for someone, I definitely would do it 100% more than I do for myself. When I write music for myself, I don't think I should compare, should think about what others are doing because then I feel like I will just end up taking something away from what I might have touched on or something I might have gotten to that I didn't reach because I was thinking about something that distracted me from that. So I feel like I feel like you need to, when you're writing, especially for yourself, it's, it's you, it's whatever you want it to be. And it's like, if people connect with it, that's great. And then you should tweak what you do to make it connect with people in a way that you know that they'll like it without, without swimming too far away from who you are. So I think that's a balance that every artist struggles to find. And even the successful ones probably still struggle with it. Logic specifically, I see it all the time when I open a new session. You can literally hit like rock song and it will dial up the rocks, the bass, the rock bass that they think you'll like, and a drum kit and a guitar. And then there's a whole library of loops. And then there's online libraries of all this stuff. And the things that you can do today, it's literally cheating. Like it's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> it is, you can take the most insane keyboard line and you would play it for someone and then you would think wow you played that that's incredible and it was like nope i literally just took that from a free online library <laughs> and it sounds amazing and you would have no idea <laughs> i was a cynic of this i would hate on this so hard that you are not a real musician you are not dude this is not real and i still feel that way however the thing that i have come to appreciate about and this is mostly in pop music where you see this a lot because other music they'll play their stuff more the thing that I, you have to appreciate is curation. The, the tools are accessible to everyone, but not everyone is going to come up with the same combinations and not everyone's gonna make something sound as good as others. So I think the thing that you do have to appreciate is one's ability to make good creative choices. Even if they didn't play it, they're still taking that sound and putting it with this other sound that sounds good together, but someone else could take that same sound and put it with a different sound and it will not sound as good. So that's the piece where I will appreciate that that is good. The talent level of the creating the line itself, now that is a different conversation, but a great producer like Rick Rubin, who's like the OG hip hop guy, right? He didn't play any instruments. He, didn't, he wasn't really doing that. He wasn't the, the super tech guy. Like he obviously was early in his career, but as he got older, like same thing with Quincy Jones, like these guys in their head have the whole arrangement, have the whole picture, and then they'll hire these great musicians to do that job. But who do we give credit to? It's Quincy Jones, it's Rick Rubin, it's these guys who have the ideas and then they've hired and contracted the right people to come in and, you know, kill it. <laughs> and we love it, but like, who do we credit? It's them. So it's, you know, that's, that's the, it, you still gotta be an idea man on top of being able to actually play it, I think. Be
I appreciate that AI is a thing. I believe that AI is the future of the world. I believe that AI is going to eventually take over the world. AI is amazing. Like these, the, the Teslas are now self-driving, which is amazing if they can get that to work. With AI music, I think the idea there is it's cool, but what's the point? Because what are you, music is a human thing and to just make it a robot and to make it an artificial intelligence that's going to just create something is cool, but where's the satisfaction? Can we have their can we have the AI's royalties then? Like, what's going to happen with that? <laughs> you know. So I don't know. That's that's it's interesting. I saw an interview with this guy who had a startup AI company for beats, and it was terrible quality, right? Because it's new, and we're not expecting it to be great. But you plug in like you what you like basically. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but my, my recollection is you put in like the relative tempo you want, maybe a key and whatever other criteria they ask. And then it loads and basically just makes you a beat that like a hip hop artist or singer can rap or sing to. Now that's, that's cool. And that's fun. I think it's a gimmick. I think that that's cool. I think it's like, like I said, that's more of, that's more of something like, wow, look at what I look at what this can do. But I don't want that computer to steal my placement or my friend's placement or a great producer's placement because they worked to do that. And that's, and that's like, like music is not like, are we going to have AI painters next? You know, are we going to have AI movie makers next? Like, what is it? Where does it stop? So it's like where my, my concern with it is like, I do believe that there, because of how, because of how watered down music has become, especially with technology and how accessible it is, it's like for a hundred bucks, you can have a cheap mic and a little interface and plug it into your, your Dell computer for a total of $400 and make a song, you know? So it's like, I do believe that there's going to be some sort of practicality aspect that some people who can't afford a studio or a producer are going to take advantage of. And some of them are going to have success at some point. It's going to absolutely have a place in the next five to ten years, I believe. This is Jana Cole, the creator of We Are Musicians podcast. You can leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm slash Jana-Cole9. Maybe I'll play your message on a future podcast. And I really appreciate your feedback. 